Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We'll come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And welcome to the first of, well, two episodes on Spotify, three total events for the Aggieville Alley Cats celebrating the one-year anniversary of the show. And before we say anything, just thank you all for making this first year of the show really special and greater than anything that we really could have imagined when we just started the show. But we'll we'll talk more about that on Sunday's episode as well as during the live show. Which, speaking of the live show, if you want to come converse with us and many other Alley Cats, please be sure to join us on Spotify Green Room on Saturday, tomorrow, the time the episode comes out at 7 p.m. to talk about everything Alley Cats and even a little bit of K-State football and basketball as well. But most importantly, again, just thank you all so much for the support. For today's episode, as you can tell by the title, we're going to be touching a little bit on recruiting news, but the bulk of this episode is going to be at the one-year anniversary Ask the Alley Cats, as well as covering the last games of the Bat Cats, and of course, the wacky segment of the week. But let's dive ahead, going straight into Catsketball recruiting, because they got a commit, I believe it was two days ago at the time of recording, and that is David Gasson, a Virginia Tech transfer, who is, well, you know more about basketball than me, so you can talk about him a bit more than I can. Uh, yeah, uh, David Gasson, um, the N is silent. Uh, yeah. He uh, formerly of Virginia Tech, like Ace said, and he's in, he falls into a vein that is becoming pretty consistent for Jerome Tang. These guys uh, get to power five schools and spend a little bit of time there and don't really break out, but show flashes. Uh, David Gasson, I say falls in that pretty well. Uh, He is six foot eight or six foot nine, about 200 pounds. Very, very athletic. Probably would have been the most athletic player on our team this past season. When you consider uh, all things like size and uh, height, just relative athletic. RAS, I guess, if that was a thing that existed for college basketball. Yeah. Uh, um, but he is, despite his size, listed as a hybrid small forward power forward. So it kind of falls into the Ish Masood uh, vein, although Ish is more of a stretch four. Uh, Gasson can truly play the wing and drive while also maybe getting a little bit of post play. Uh, very athletic, good defender, very long arms. Another thing that's been uh, emphasized by Jerome Tang on the recruiting trail. Uh, he's another person that I think will come in and probably be depth piece this year, but he's another guy they think will probably, or they're hoping will. That's my cat. What the will, maple doing? <laughs> she's got the zoomies right now. So uh. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what she's up to. She Something's going on in her strange little mind, but she, but <laughs> David and Gasson, Gasson, he, uh, um, he'll hopefully develop into something special for K State eventually. But I'd imagine that right now, this is someone they expect to come in and log a few minutes a game, learn the ropes from a guy like Ish Masood, and then develop into a better piece. So they're still looking for that difference maker in the portal. Hope I think. We should be seeing something here pretty soon, hopefully in the next month, maybe because practices are starting very soon. So you'd like to get someone on campus in the next month so they aren't too far behind. 
but it is it is getting to that critical juncture where you can start to really be worried about the roster construction. Um, because all the transfers they're bringing in are quality prospects, but none of them have produced at the Division One level. Keep in mind, there's still guys like Naquan Tomlin who were excellent at the junior college level, but we we still need a proven D1 transfer. Yeah. yeah, someone to go alongside Marquise Noel, who we do know can produce at the Division One level, but it can't just be Marquise Noel or Ish Masood. We, we need a little bit more than that, but that's not to take away from David Gasson, who I, I like and am intrigued by, but he's not an immediate needle mover. Yeah. And that puts us at, what is it, eight or nine total players? Eight scholarship, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure about the walk-on situation. I never saw Trey Harris or Jordan Brooks enter the portal. So I'll assume they're still on the team for now, uh, just sticking around at K-State. So 10 bodies, I suppose. But, yeah. Yeah. So that is basketball. And now the meat of this show, and believe me when I say that this is a meaty segment, it is the Ask the Alley Cat segment. Thank you all so much for submitting questions. And let's just start from the top, shall we? We have three questions submitted by good friend of the show, John Grove of the Shake and Blake podcast. Be sure to check them out. And his first question is, which Big 12 team do you guys despise in one sport but root for in another sport? This was one of the questions that I immediately knew the answer to. And I think you and I talked about it a little bit. And it's weirdly specific. It is TCU women's basketball because I just remember them cheering when Ioka Lee went down and you could hear that she smacked her head on the hardwood. And I remember them cheering about it. And that is the only negative experience that I have had with TCU at all. In fact, I root for them and everything else. Yeah, I I was no I had no idea how to answer this question at first. And then you mentioned that and I remembered being at that game and just being absolutely infuriated by uh TCU. I as I recall, I I think they either I think they didn't shake hands after the game as they well. Didn't. Yeah, because they were salty about winning like six games all year or something like that. And I mean, they're not good. Like but because I I like you said, I really like TCU actually and a lot of other sports. Uh there are purple brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always liked Gary Patterson. Uh, he was a Pitt State guy. Um, and uh, other sports, I mean, there's not a lot to hate about TCU, really. Uh, they, they're they always good representatives of the Big 12. Uh, those were some fun teams for football when they had Trevon Boykin back in 2014, uh, probably a playoff snub. And uh, I don't know. Like I, I've got nothing against TCU other than the women's basketball team. So it is a... It's a weird answer. I, I hate to like give the same one, but I had no idea what I was going to say other than that, because most schools I either just flatly like or dislike. Yeah. So there's that. Honorable mention for me was Texas Tech men's basketball, if not just for their students, apparently deciding they hated us when we were there. Yeah, that was weird. Although I can't say I dislike Tech men's basketball because the, the Texas Tech versus Texas game in Lubbock was probably, oh, yeah. that was the most locked in I've been to a game that affected K-State in absolutely no way <laughs> in quite some time. Like what happened in that game did not matter uh, to K-State whatsoever, but it was such a fun game. Maybe a similar atmosphere this year for Tech versus KU in Lubbock, I bet. Now that Kevin McCuller just transferred uh, to KU uh, and Tech fans are not happy about it because he was a fan favorite for a while. I 
maybe this is a hot take. This is kind of related to that, but I don't think intra-league transfers should be allowed. And if you do, you just have to sit out a year. Ooh, that is a spicy one. I I don't know. I just I don't love the idea of conference mates uh taking players from teams within the conference, like Texas just did a Tyrese Hunter with Iowa State. KU was trying to do a Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State. And uh and you know, I, I'm not a big fan of it, but it's probably not anything that'll change. But like I, I just don't like when guys leave a team in a conference and then go somewhere else in the conference because rarely is that a good terms departure. Uh, next question. If you were a member of the KC Sports Commission, would you add an NBA team or an NHL team to the Sprint Center? I'm not calling it by its other name. It's the Sprint Center. <laughs> Glad you said that because I was going to if you did not. Yeah. Um, I would honestly go with an NBA team. And I'd probably call them just like the Kansas City Fountains or something because Kansas City is the city of fountains. Um, yeah, that, that that's about it because I don't think Missouri is a big enough hockey market to support two teams, one in Kansas City and one in St. Louis. Because everyone in Missouri just kind of, even in Kansas, if they're into hockey at all, unless you're one of our friends who claims the Blackhawks, you, <laughs> you claim... Yeah. Uh, you claim the blues more than anything else. Yeah, I'm going to say NBA as well. Um, in a perfect world, the Sacramento Kings would just come back to Kansas City because they were originally a KC team and the Sacramento Kings, Kansas City Kings, that really fits the uh, um, nickname conventions in Kansas City with the Royals, the Monarchs, and the Chiefs. Yeah. So they would be a, that's probably the worst reason of all time to move a team, but alternatively i i feel like kc is going to be a better market for sports than sacramento but i don't imagine the kings are going to move anytime soon even though they've been bad for a while yeah so but i i'd like an nba team in the sprint center so and but for i think for all of eternity kc is just going to be the bargaining chip that owners use to get a new stadium for or a new arena from their town yeah so they don't have to pay for it yeah it's that in san antonio have always been two of the bigger ones. Yeah, San Antonio for football, KC for basketball, or is it San Antonio for baseball? I think it's San Antonio for baseball. Nah, gotcha. Uh, which former Big 12 – this question is also from John Grove, the last one of his. Which former Big 12 school do you guys miss the most? If you know me, this question is insanely obvious, and it is the Missouri Tigers because I grew up an MU fan. Yeah, I, I that was an obvious answer um not a, not a bad one just like could see it coming from a mile away and i don't blame yeah. you at all because <laughs> if i were you i'd want k-state mizzou to play every year because yeah. like that's kind of the best of both worlds it was like when the packers and chiefs played uh a couple years go, ago and i went to that pack, go. <laughs> i was the guy with the cheese head and the chief shirt so there's that but um i have conflicting relationships with all the big 12 teams that have departed because on one hand i feel totally betrayed and miss the old big 12 with a burning passion because i think it's just infinitely better than what we're about to get although i do like what we're about to get i just miss the old big 12 um don't particularly miss texas a&m too badly although we did have some great football games against them and they've even had a good one against them since they left uh, Colorado, I mainly miss for the idea of an away game in Boulder because that sounds kind of nice other than their fan base. Missouri, I think, is probably going to 
be a popular pick, but I'm just going to go ahead and say Nebraska because it's harder to hate Nebraska now that they're gone. However, on the plus side, now that we're in the Big Ten, we get to uh, use them as a farm team for all of their (laughs) best players. So there's there's that. So, you know, we get Adrian Martinez, get Will Honas, get Cade Warner. And you know, that's a squad for K-State. Yeah, I'd say it's worked out pretty well for us thus far. But I'd like for Nebraska to come back. Mizzou, a close second. Yeah. Uh, Then we get a several, we'll say, questions from Scott Wildcat. Uh, The first one, what is the biggest... Oh, Scott Wildcat from Bosco's Boys, by the way. Uh, Again, good friend of the show. Go listen to them. What is the biggest podcasting lessons you have learned over the year-long journey? Having to re-record episodes sucks. Going in with an outline gives you more structure, but can sometimes be less fun. See the Texas Bowl episode. Dealing with pain is something that you have to learn how to do on a K-State podcast. Those are my big three. Um, I'd say one of the biggest things is consistency. I think that if you want to start a podcast, if you don't do it at least relatively consistently, it's you're going to struggle to truly continue with it if that's what you want to do. Um, and then beyond that, uh, prepare, um, make an outline, like Ace said, uh, does make life easier, especially on like football game previews. Um, but on the other hand, you know, sometimes it's okay to go off script. And if a topic is working, the topic's working and, you know, talk about what's interesting ultimately. So you know, have, be prepared, but don't be afraid to go off script. Yeah. Any changes in format or episodes coming in year two? Um, the only thing I would say is that I may want to get formation numbers back. And we may, depending on how my secret day job goes, which should be well, we may start implementing PFF grades into our previews for college games. But other than that, nothing really. Yeah, um, I, I guess in terms of uh, uh, the format of how we'll be recording, it's going to be pretty much entirely uh, remote just because we'll be going to school in different cities now, yeah. um, which is unfortunate. I, I do like the in-person recording. I will miss that. Um, but nothing major really to the format of the show itself. Um, I I don't think any big changes are on the way. We we have a formula that works for us, so I, I don't anticipate making any major shifts unless there's something you're not telling me about. Uh, no, uh, certainly we're not going to a daily show. My God. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that, that will not work. It's never going to happen. But next question, is there a white whale podcast y'all are hinting at? You know the, you know the answer to that just as well as we do, Scott. <laughs> yep. That, that's all I can really say about that. <laughs> yep. That almost definitely gives it away, but <laughs> what can you do? Moving on. Is there a podcast that almost was in year one? Yes, there was. It was the Reggie Stubblefield interview, but unfortunately, every time that we got it scheduled, uh, the first time I was on spring break in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, it was not worth it. It was not worth it. Um. Then he got busy with a bunch of camp workouts and we never found another time. Obviously still love Reggie. Still think he's great. It's just schedules didn't work out. Yeah. I was very sad. that didn't work out. I was really looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun, but yeah, that's just, that's just how it goes. Sometimes, you know, scheduling is really difficult when you have 
uh, three different people who do two very different things. And we're also trying to schedule that in one of the busiest and most stressful times of uh, Mr. Subblefield's life. So, you know, it, it, it got difficult. So I wish that could have happened, but it just didn't materialize. Yeah. Uh, next question, also from Scott Wildcat. Favorite Aggieville bar to drink at? Um, so I, I know this isn't your stereotypical drinking place, but Connor knows what my favorite drink is. And it belongs to Tanner's and it is a uh, peach cooler. It is a Tanner's peach cooler. And I don't care if that makes me girly. It tastes awesome. So I don't care. It tastes delicious. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Auntie May's. Uh, I feel like some of the bars in Aggieville lack character. Not all of them, but some of them. But Auntie May's has a really neat identity. And it's just a nice place to grab a drink. It's not as hustly and bustly as some of the other bars. So if you want to just have a, a night out, but a, a casual night out, Annie Mays is a great spot. And then they have live music occasionally, but I need to get back there. I haven't been there in a while. Next question, also from Scott Wildcat. Favorite spot in Manhattan, Kansas to eat at Gordo's? Gordo's. Love Gordo's. I am a Gordo's fiend. Have been for a while. Adrian Martinez recently revealed on 3Ma that he is a Gordo's fiend as well. well. I didn't say that, but he did say Gordo's was one of his fa- favorite places to eat in Manhattan. I felt it's very vindicated. I felt very vindicated after hearing that. Is a Gordo's goblin? <laughs> Gordo's goblin. That's uh, enough of that. But, I'm, I'm just saying, if Gordo's ever comes knocking and says, "Hey, you want to sponsor the show?" I like, I would do it for like one free meal a month. I'd sponsor Gordo's. <laughs> <laughs> but I. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're both huge Gordo's fans. Uh, it, it, I'd say that's a, a bit of a controversial take. Some people might say there's better Mexican in uh, Manhattan. I, yeah. I'd i say I mostly disagree. Uh, Gordo's has rooftop seating, only place in the bill with rooftop seating. Uh, their chips are really good. And uh, then you just go in. It's not an overly expensive place. Great place for college, uh, college eating. And it's also a good place for about anybody, really. I'd say I, I'm a big Gordo's fan. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> their margaritas are amazing, and Connor can attest the effect that it had on me one night. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. Um, next two questions we're going to loop together. Also from Scott Wildcat, favorite and least favorite class taken at K State. Favorite probably is my race in U.S. foreign relations class, and. My least favorite would probably be my first semester honors seminar, just because it was I, I did I didn't do anything in that class. I wrote like a total of seven paragraphs for that entire class and got a hundred on it. Um, favorite? I don't know if I can def- if I can definitively say one is my favorite. So I'll say a few that I really liked. Uh, I really liked a class I took with Katie Carlin called Film. Literally just called Film. We just watched movies and talked about them. And uh, we made a short film at the end of the semester. Super, super fun class. Really liked Kitty Carlin. Um, Also really enjoyed uh, video games and literature. Uh, We'd read a book and then play a video game. And then we had to like make a final project where we presented about literary qualities in a game. And I did mind about NCAA football 14, which does not have a story. (laughs) And so that was difficult. The RTG story. Yeah. This class is actually how I met uh, our former guest, Lucas. And uh, then one more class. Uh, actually, no, I think that'd be it. Those are probably my top two. Least favorite? 
definitely a political inquiry and analysis. Um, this is a poli sci class in disguise. It's actually a stats class. And that was the most, some of the most work I've ever put into a class. And I took four semesters of French and this class just destroyed me. It was so hard. And the first, it was the worst part was that the first month was like a pretty standard class. And then it and became it that. Like I, I was like, you're you're kidding me, but it was horrible. It so much math, so much writing of numbers. It was awful. Yeah. Uh, next question, still from Scott Wildcat. They're all from Scott Wildcat until noted differently. What <laughs> what is one bucket list item you would tell an incoming freshman in year one? I actually looked at this question and thought of several different things, but if I had to come up with one thing, I would say just find a way to go to a KU basketball game, like a KU K-State basketball game. As much as I, I love football a lot more than I like basketball, but the environment at a KU K-State basketball game is, is something to behold. This was a question I actually really struggled with because I'm old and I barely remember my freshman year. Um, but I sitting here, I'd say try, and, and this is like a PG list of bucket list items. <laughs> like I, I would say get to a non-rev sport, like go to one of every non-revenue sport. And since you're going to probably be in the dorms, I think you have to be now, actually. I think so. Uh, yeah. Bring people from your floor. Try and make some friends because like that's a it's a it's a great way, especially early in the semester, to meet some people uh, your freshman year. So uh, maybe that's more advice than a bucket list item, but I'm kind of struggling to think of a good bucket list item right now. So yeah, a good maybe, legal bucket list item. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you get that and you'll be fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh one thing you would add to campus if you were the czar of K-State. I would add, so you know that lawn that has like next to nothing outside of uh anderson across from anderson yeah i would add like one of those lookout towers that's high enough to where you can oversee pretty much all of k-state's campus and i would make it mostly vertical so you still got a you still have a lot of lawn space for people to just relax in yeah i i was a little worried when you started talking about anderson lawn and you're gonna be like put stuff in it i was gonna be like no no no, don't do that actually Um, this probably won't be my final answer, but one thing I would recommend doing is any building that's not limestone, make it limestone. Mm -hmm. There's not many on campus that aren't limestone. Uh, I think Goodnow and Marlette Hall are brick Mm -hmm. and we fall neat. It's like not most, it's mostly not limestone, but there's a little bit, but it needs more. Um, and then just like, I don't know, add some limestone facade to like, just continue the, uh, a consistency of design. Um, but another thing I'd add is uh, I do more landscaping, um, just a more attractive landscaping, like more flower, more purple flowers, stuff like that, uh, mulching, um, more outdoor seating areas in uh, some more higher traffic spots and also some lower traffic spots. They've started to do stuff like that uh, in some areas, some of the more higher traffic areas. But I'd like to see some more, although that's not to say that K-State doesn't already have a beautiful landscape because uh, it really does. But I'd like to see even more. Yeah, I agree. 
Would you make a change at head coach for baseball and or soccer if I was the athletic director? Um, baseball, I would let Pete Hughes ride out his contract because there's one year left. And honestly, the fact that he <laughs> got the game go ahead and run in a tournament on a sacrifice squeeze play, it, that honestly, if it didn't work, I'd say fire him. But the fact that he even tried it and it worked is so hilarious to me. But soccer, yeah, absolutely. We what we've had has just not been working outside of Brooklyn ends, and I and know she's gone. and she's gone. Like, and I know a lot of it has been just getting out athleted on, like, just playing soccer. But like, there has to be something you can do. Yeah, I I'd say as it stands, especially since it's June, probably not time to fire soccer but if soccer is another dumpster year then yes uh it's time to make a change um really the only place i feel like we've been truly consistent at soccer is we've generally had a pretty good goalkeeper Mm -hmm. and that's about it like i feel like we constantly have a goalkeeper making incredible saves which we have to because teams are getting way too many shots off of us but baseball i have the same answer as up he uses in contract year um he has a great recruiting class coming in he's going to have his uh all his guys there. However, we've made that excuse for him before last year, this year, it's going to be the same team, but with more experience, everything is pointing towards an up year for Batcats. And if it's another down year, then yeah, it's time to make a change. I, I I'd say I'm a bit more forgiving maybe than the average K-State fan uh, for baseball. Um, especially just because he has such great talent coming in. Uh, perfect game tens. You know, we never saw Jackson Wentworth this year because he was injured, I believe. Yeah, and, I don't think they ever said it, but yeah, he he was he was hurt. Yeah. I remember before the Arizona game, they did say that Jackson Wentworth uh, had. They said he had a minor injury, and then we never heard of him again. Never <laughs> heard, never heard from him again. So I just take it to be that he had a major injury of some sort. Um, so yeah, Pete. Is it's a contract year, it's a make or break year for him, I'd say, especially after all the new facilities we brought in or got a bill, I should say. Uh, Lockett recruits him, same team, but older, more experienced. Uh, time to see if the fighting Kalen Culpeppers can do something <laughs> with all this talent on their team. And if they can't, then yeah, time to make a change. Uh, way too early football record prediction. Check out the episode Sunday to find out. Yep. I hate to do that, but I'm I not mean, spoiling it, the take. It's unfortunately too topical. Like, to, like I don't want to make that revelation like two days before we put out the uh, season Thank preview. You. <laughs> so. Which home game are you most looking forward to in football? The MU game. I... This is a very difficult question. Mizzou is up there. Texas is up there. Uh, Oklahoma State is up there. KU is up there. The only home games I'm not super enthusiastic about are South Dakota State and Tulane. And I might be missing a home game. No, I think that's actually maybe all of them. But I honestly would say Oklahoma State Tech. No, not super enthusiastic for Tech. But I always like playing Texas Tech. And then... I'd say Oklahoma State, maybe Texas. Texas is a close second for me just because I want to see the revenge game. Yeah, that 
that's going to be a good game. Actually, gosh, I might even change my answer now I'm thinking about it because there's going to be a lot of animosity from last year because I think everybody on K-State knows that we should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, that was a very winnable game for K-State, and the team was failed. Uh, that's how I'll put it. And mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of animosity. I think it's going to be a really chippy game, one of the chippiest games in recent K-State history, I, I would presume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I am very excited for Texas. This, that's going to be a big uh, – that'll be a big vibe check for the season, I feel like. That in Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is, I think, the vibe check for the season early on because if we go 3-1 and one through non-con OU, I, I don't want to get too much into this, but Oklahoma State's going to be a big game. Uh, if you were to make a road game, road trip, which would you choose? So our choices are Oklahoma in Norman, Iowa State in Ames, uh, TCU at Fort Worth, Baylor in Waco, and West Virginia in Morgantown. I'm not going to Morgantown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to Morgantown. Maybe if I were an actual adult, I would. But the tempting pick for me is either Ames for Iowa State or Fort Worth for TCU. I I would honestly go with Ames because it's closest to Manhattan. And mm-hmm. the only downside is I would have to experience their stadium. That I've heard is a big downside. Yes, they are trying to work on it kind of, but not really, like, kind of indirectly. Like they added that like expansion that's like kind of off to the side. It looks a little weird and out of place, honestly. Like it's a cool looking building, but it's very out of place, like right next to their stadium. Like they just have like this very old stadium and just like this like giant Apple store looking football <laughs> facility. And it's really strange. But yeah, probably be a cool environment to see Farmageddon. Uh, stadium i'd like to i know i'd I want to go to every big 12 stadium eventually and i'm looking forward to that but fort worth is not too far away it's about five and a half hours from manhattan six maybe longer i might be thinking of pittsburgh distances here actually i, th- I think you're thinking of pittsburgh because ames is only like two and a half hours is it really yeah it's not oh, far wow. i didn't realize how close ames was i think Our- it's at least two and a half You can verify, but sorry, Jerome Tang sends out an email, but it's not actually a cat signal. Like e- I, got, I got very distracted when I got my phone out. Ema, Ema, but I mean, I believe you. I I just didn't realize that Ames was that close. Is Ames like on the western border of Iowa? Then uh, it's on like the southeast corner of Iowa. At least I says, think says it's four. Says it's five hours from Manhattan. Really? Huh. It's like smack in the middle of Iowa. I've been wrong before and I could have been thinking of something else. There it oh, is. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking of somewhere else. I don't yeah. know, but it would still be Ames. On <laughs> Council Bluffs is kind of in the southeast corner. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Oh, I, anyway, it would still be Ames for me just because I want to go see Farmageddon and watch Matt Campbell lose his mind on the sidelines because he's a tiny baby boy. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> uh, if you could choose one to go to, the men's and women's basketball doubleheader in Wisconsin and Miller Park, or men's basketball at Butler and Historic Hankel Fieldhouse, which are you choosing? Didn't we confirm that the Wisconsin thing in Miller isn't happening? Jerome Tang said they were talking about it, but that it probably wasn't happening. 
And... Well, if those were still the options, like I would definitely go to Miller because I also get a women's basketball game there. Yes, uh, I'm kind of the same way. I'm going to change the parameters of this question to be uh, women's basketball at home against Iowa or men's basketball in Hinkle Fieldhouse against Butler. I'm probably taking women's basketball there, but I'm also having lived through the Elite Eight trauma of 2010, very tempted to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse to see if we can exact our revenge. Uh, what, 13 years in the making? 12, so, about? Since 2010. 11. 11. Because it would have been, I think, I think it might have been the 2011. Anywho, it, it was like a while that. ago, about a decade. And I, I'd like to see us exact revenge, but I might lean women's basketball for the Ayoka Lee-Caitlin Clark matchup. That's going to be that, an insane matchup. That's going to be a matchup of two All-Americans in Bramlage. Be awesome. Two player of the year contenders last year. Yeah. Yeah. Two player of the year contenders. So it'll, it'll be awesome. Yeah. What's your vibe check on men's basketball? Um, I am apprehensive. Um, I do. I think we'll be as bad as we were last year. No, but I think it'll be a marginal improvement. Because everyone that we've added so far of the eight people, and I know he said he can do it with 10, that I would still rather have more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I am the optimism that I have about Tang as a higher long term has not changed. But the idea that it's going to be an instant turnaround from last year, that's kind of gone yeah there's a few difference makers left in the portal if he gets those my tone will definitely change um i'd say i'm not ready to hit the panic button yet just because there are guys in the portal that they are in on that i'm really hoping that we can land now if we get to the regular season and we don't get any transfers that average more than like four or five points a game uh, in the portal i will be concerned definitely for this first year However, I will still have an optimistic view of the future because even in the portal era where it is easier to rebuild a roster, you still have to get those guys on campus and show them a product that they'll want to play for. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses all day for uh, swinging and missing on a few recruits and a few recruits maybe not being totally honest about their intentions, but I I would definitely be disappointed. Um I think this year, if we trotted out this roster plus like two randoms, um, I think we'd be a slightly better team than we were last year, but I don't know if we'd win as many games, if that makes sense. Just because there'd be a, an even bigger lack of experience. Like this, like this team won't have a Mark Smith who can, like if you desperately need someone to just drive to the bucket, you're not going to have Mark Smith. If you desperately need a three, you're not going to have Nigel Pack. You will have Marquise Noel who can get the ball out, but... A lot of this year will rely on people who haven't produced yet stepping up and producing. Guys like Cam Carter or Jarrell Colbert or Naquan Tomlin. But uh, those are all unknowns, and you're relying on a lot of unknowns. But you know, if they have a great year, then all of a sudden we see ourselves having one of the better coaches in all of college basketball. So yeah, uh, uh, that's a lot of ifs. So I'd say right now I share your word of apprehensive. Yeah. If you were a K-State men's basketball player, what accessories and kicks would you rock on the floor? I I guarantee you I would look like an idiot, but I would have on my right arm a purple shooter sleeve and on my left a white one. 
And honestly, outside of that, I'd probably just wear some like solid purple, just solid purple shoes with like maybe a, oh, what were the brat shoes? Were they like a, it was a purple and white inlays, wasn't it? I think so. I'm not hundred percent sure. Or was it purple and silver? I think I'd go purple and silver. Um, for my shoes, I'm going the Kobe purple stardusts. Uh, those were shoes. I think almost the whole basketball team had back in like 2017. And I love those shoes a lot. Uh, they're kind of a lavender purple and they wore them with the, uh, two tones the first time they wore them and they just were absolutely awesome. Loved them. But I, uh, for gear, I, when I played basketball, I never really wore much gear. I pretty much just threw my Jersey, my shoes and my shorts on, not in that order. And (laughs) Just played some basketball. Um, I don't know. Seems like headbands are a trend right now uh, for uh, bigs. Um, other than that, I'm not 100% sure what gear I'd have, but definitely the Kobe Purple Stardust shoes. 100%. Those are my daily game shoes. If you had to have a shooter sleeve, what color are you going to own? Uh, probably lavender. Probably lavender. Yeah, I, if I that's change, available. I may change my answer. I may go uh, purple on one and then lavender on the other. That would be a look. It'd, because, be, it'd be one of the looks of all time. You know, what you could do is have half of a purple here and then half of a purple on the other forearm and then half a lavender on the upper arm of the right and then half of a lavender on the forearm of the left. Do the the old mix and match trick called the checkerboard. The checkerboard. The checkerboard shooter sleeve. Yeah, that's just looking like a missing texture in a source game <laughs> yeah that'd be one of the uh looks of all time yeah are you too eagerly awaiting your appearances on bosco's boys blitz month already always absolutely i can't wait yeah can't wait to call out jacardier right as the breakout player of the year keen garber yeah he's still there <laughs> never know late breakout late breakout time it's never too late i mean we were our defensive picks weren't bad because it was Felix and uh, Matlick. Yeah. Who picked Felix? Who picked Matlick? I picked Matlick. Huh. I think I pick. I think I picked Matlick because Felix at that point was like a known commodity. Yeah. Uh, at least in the media. He hadn't performed on the field, but I think everyone kind of knew what he was going to do. Yeah. Like, like it was an unspoken or like it was like an open secret that Felix was going to be good. Uh, what are your favorite podcasts to listen to, both sports and non-sports? I don't listen to non-sports podcasts, but my favorite podcasts are uh, Bosco's Boys and Shake and Blake. I can't put one over the other. Um, yeah, Bosco's Boys and Shake and Blake, I absolutely love. Um, but listened to a little Three Ma recently as well, here and there. And uh, non-sports, I pretty much the only non-sports podcast I listened to is last podcast on the left. Uh, because it's always a really obscure and interesting topic. And I listen to it when I'm on long drives because it helps keep me awake. What advice would you give to aspiring podcasters care about what you're talking about? And that's really the biggest one, because if you're passionate about it and you're passionate about what you're talking about, you'll find an audience at some point. It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be immediate. You're not going to have like five episodes and suddenly you're pulling like, like 60 to 70 listeners, unless you get insanely lucky, in which case, good on you. 
but it's about building an audience that shares the same passions you do. So if you're talking about something that you don't care about or you're not passionate about, what reasons does your audience have to care? Yeah, uh, same boat uh, for me. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're not going to talk about something that you care about, uh, it's going to come off as disingenuous. Uh, make sure that's something that you're truly passionate about if you're going to be talking about it, because if you, you have to convince people to listen to you for like an hour. And why is that important? And if it's not something that you really enjoy, people are going to notice that. And there's not going to be much reason to listen to your podcast. Like you can't pick like a popular chart, a popular topic and talk about that in the hopes of getting a big audience because the passion won't show because, you know, podcasting, unless you get big, it's not exactly a money-making venture for most. (laughs) It's not not for us. Like it's just something that we like doing. It's fun. And uh, we do put a lot of work in uh, relative to the uh, return, but it's it's worth it because we both thoroughly enjoy what we do. So find something that you really like talking about and then also be consistent. I said that earlier, but be consistent with your uploading. Yeah. And then the final question from Scott Wildcat, one year down, 40 to go. I'm not sure if I'll be alive in 40 years. So <laughs> I'll keep going. Uh, as long <laughs> as people are listening and as long as I enjoy uh doing it then i will continue maybe the medium will change at some point like maybe like uh the winds of change will come and like there'll be a different way of doing like a podcast that's like not a podcast that we may shift to but i mean as i i would continue making k-state fan content you know for as long as i find it enjoyable so yeah so thank you scott wildcat for those questions they're all good ones uh, next question is from friend of the show, Ethan Brown. Which animal over 50 pounds could you realistically beat in a fight? I'm not one who has a lot of confidence in his battle abilities. Um, and I'm just going to go with the bare minimum of something that I know I could do. And I'm just going to go with uh, a larger poodle. <laughs> I would say possibly a panda bear because... I don't, they don't, as far as I can tell, they don't have instincts of any kind. And I, I feel like it'd be fairly easy because I feel like they're a little too trusting. So I feel like I could defeat a panda pretty quickly. Also, maybe a really big turtle. Not, not because of speed necessarily, but more agility. Yeah. Now, I'm not here to doubt like, you know, slow, like slowest wins the race or whatever. I know the old proverb, but I, I feel like I could best a turtle in combat. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like those are both good answers. Next question is from Cameron Hale. If you could travel to any stadium to watch the Cats play football or basketball, where would you want to go? I'm going to go with the stereotypical answer here. I'm going to say I really want to see the Cats play because I've already seen them play in AT&T. I would really love to see them play in Arrowhead. And I think they did that at one point, didn't they? Uh, yeah, they have had they played in Arrowhead a few times because um, the Big 12 championship was there for a while. Uh, that's where they I think that's where they played OU maybe uh, in 2003. It might have been Arrowhead. It may have been like in St. Louis. No, St. Louis was 98. I won't talk about that. Uh, but um, they played, I think, like California. I think they played Cal and Arrowhead in the early 2000s, possibly the same with Iowa. And then 
then they played Iowa State there in 2009-2010 for some reason. And that just didn't continue. So uh, Arrowhead for you as well? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd say Arrowhead would be, a, be an easy one because it's close. Uh, if I could pick anywhere, maybe like SoFi or uh, the Raiders Stadium. because the, the Death Roomba? Yeah, the Death Roomba. I think it looks cool. And I, I, I'd say that maybe just a random NFL indoor arena. Uh, but you'd have to pick the right one to where a crowd would actually show up. Uh, basketball, um, not the Sprint Center because we play there so much. Um, that's a tougher one. So since it doesn't have to be professional venue, I would say a hypothetical, completely restored uh, a Hearn Field House. I think I would agree with you on that. Just to just to experience what that was like. Yeah. Feel like I've I feel like I've really missed out on a hern. So I, I'd really like to see a game there, which I wish I would have watched a volleyball game there my freshman year before they stopped using it. Yeah. Uh next question is from Alex Pogue. If you had a hundred dollars to spend, what would be your ultimate date night? Um, so I'm assuming my starting I, I dug deep into this question. I'm assuming my starting location is in Manhattan. As bad as the Royals are right now, I still love going to Royals games, mostly because of childlike nostalgia. Um, it was a painful childhood nostalgia, you know, being a Royals fan. <laughs> but I would get like okay seats at a Royals game off of like SeatGeek, not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> and just get tickets for the two of us drive over there and get like, you know, just a hot dog, maybe a couple of beers. They don't have buck night anymore. So that kind of dampers my plans, but maybe go on a Friday game. So we get to see the fireworks and just drive on back. So honestly, it'd be a sports night for me. Uh, I did not read into this question a ton, mainly because a lot of the things that I do on um, or like for fun, like for a date, like are not super formal or cost a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, I really like going for walks. Uh, so I'd say hit the cons or something and do one of the trails there. Uh, maybe Marlette Park on the uh, north side of Manhattan by top of the world. Because uh, that's zero dollars. So I save a ton of money there. Um, if there's a good movie in, catch a movie. If not, um, then maybe hit up uh, one of the nicer restaurants down in uh, Points Avenue. Uh, like Bourbon and Baker. Uh, it was a really good place. You're going to go to a Manhattan Brewing Company to, on Thursdays to see that guy at the barbecue? I really want to so bad. Next, When I'm in Manhattan on a Thursday, next time I will be going there to get some of that barbecue. Such good barbecue. It was so good. What was it called? Smoke and H? I think it was called Smoke and H. I don't remember the Smoke specific and H name is, of it. I, I, I don't remember exactly. What I have the called. card. I have the card. Maybe he'd sponsor. I don't know. It, <laughs> But it, we had some great barbecue. And uh, then after that, I don't know. I don't know what I do. I didn't think about this question too hard. I don't have a great answer for it. Um, but yeah, you had a much better answer than I did. He thought about it a little bit more. 
Uh, next question, also from AS Pogue. If you were going to be stranded on a tropical island and could pick one current or former K-State coach and one athlete, who would you pick to help you survive? As tempting as it is to steal your answer, I'm not going to do that because I am a man of integrity. I'm going to stick with my original answer and say, I don't think that there's anyone that I could bring that would reasonably help me survive too long or long enough for rescue. So I'm just going to bring people that I think would make my death entertaining. And that would almost certainly be coach Brian Anderson and Marquise Noel, just because I, I, there'd be some awesome interplay there. And you know what? I would almost certainly perish, but I would perish with a smile on my face. It'd be fun. Uh, my answer I went with was uh, Joe Klanderman and Jordan Perry, uh, who if you don't know Jordan Perry's because he's technically not an athlete yet, but he will be in like five days whenever <laughs> players report, whenever that is. Um, he's a 2022 recruit. He's a safety. And I, re- I remember hearing like a story about his recruitment where him and Klanderman like on his official visit went fishing or something like that. And I thought that was really funny. And I was like, well, they clearly have some outdoor skills. So I would want them uh, to be with me because they could carry me to survival as I am useless. Get hard carried. (laughs) No, I totally would. I would do nothing. Like they just be like, hey, do this thing. And I'd attempt and probably fail. But you know what? They'd give me a good chance of survival. So, yeah. Next questions are from Evan D. Shanalanalak, or as Scott would say, Evan D. Shanalanalanalanalak. Uh, what is something overrated and underrated about the K-State fan experience? I'm going to start with underrated, and mostly because this is overhated. Wildcat March is not that bad. It's not that bad. I don't know why everyone sauces on it so bad. It's not that bad. It is. It's not that bad. It's just generic. Yeah, but it's generic doesn't always mean bad. Like people are talking about like, <laughs> like Wildcat March bombed several city blocks. I don't know why they think that. It's okay. It's like it is not. Is it good? No. Does it get? Is it worthy of the hate that it gets? No. <laughs> I think it totally is because I think it's a waste of valuable musical real estate. I I think that something else could be played there or quite honestly, nothing could be played there and they could save time and do something else. Like they could take the time with uh, do like uh, Wildcat March and bring back the Willie skits where they just eviscerate a student at midfield and then accidentally send them into a seizure and then get the band for a decade. There's a West Virginia guy uh, when that happened, as I recall. But Four Mountaineer. But what what is your uh, under? Or that was your underrated, right? Yeah. What's your overrated? My overrated would uh, proud of this house we built. Yeah, I doesn't do it for me. That's a fair. It's a fair statement there. I think it's. I like the video packages that they use, but like. It just kind of, I don't think that that video necessarily reflects the identity that K-State football is trying to go for. And the main reason I say that is like house we built in that the specific way that it's going is like, oh, K-State is this 
perpetual underdog who has always found a way to win. Like, I, I that's a cool identity, but I don't think it's the one that Kleiman's going for. No, I I'll start with my overrated because mine's exactly the same. I don't think Proud of This House resonates with many people our age. I think that for people that were around uh, when the rebuild official, like originally happened, I think that this was a perfect identity for like the 90s and the early 2000s, Snyder 1.0, basically, because, you know, they were proud of the house that they built because like the identity was actually true back then. But at this point, K-State's an established football program. We don't need to act like we're, we're not. We, we don't need to act like K-State is like the worst program in all of college football perpetually because it's not the worst program in all of college football by any stretch hey, of the imagination. Yeah, Vanderbilt, I'd even say. Yeah. Um, at least in Power 5. Well, KU's close. Yeah. Um, but I... I, I think proud of this house needs to be relegated to not existing at K-State. Um, I, like you said, I do like the videos that they use. I do like the historical footage. I think K-State, Scott Wildcat talks about this a lot. I kind of agree. Uh, K-State needs to uh, market their history better. Uh, I think for a long time, they've avoided that because of uh, this idea that everything pre-Snyder was terrible and bad and should never be revisited. But Lynn Dickey was a phenomenal quarterback who uh, is in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame and was a starting QB in the NFL for a decade and was great at K-State. Uh, and there's plenty of other guys like the Trailblazers uh, that uh, were honored this past season. Um, proud of this house. It, proud of this house we built infers that, or implies, I should say, that everything nothing happened before yeah nothing happened before it's granted a lot of it was pretty rough but you know we we shouldn't bury our history in the way that we are because we're we're doing we think we're doing the opposite because we're like oh our history was awful before but now we're great but by by doing that that's disrespecting a lot of people and like a lot of people that were good athletes so i'm not exactly sure what tangent i'm trying to go on here but I, I do think Proud of This House is past its time. Um, its heyday is come and gone, but I, I would replace it with something uh, underrated. Um, it's hard to say this is underrated as much anymore, but uh, I'd say kickoff keys. That's uh, something that Casey didn't always do. And I, I really like kickoff keys. I especially like uh, Joker and the Thief. I, I can't go anywhere without hearing that song getting goosebumps mm-hmm. at this point in my life. When football season is like around the corner, I will uh, I sometimes just play that song in my car to get myself in the right mindset. <laughs> the one thing, set. Yeah. One thing that is not in the questions that I do want to say, I think this might've been a question for like a live show at some point or something like that, but I want to answer it. And it's like, what's something like you would add uh, to uh, like pregame or something like that? I this saw was a, this was a question that we had on another Ask the Alley Cat segment. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I, I had another thing that I wanted to say. This is like a one-time thing. I would like her wolf mother to come to a K-State game <laughs> and just and actually perform Joker and the Thief before a kickoff sometime, like live. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's my only thing I was thinking about it a few days ago. And I was like, that'd be fun. Yeah. 
another underrated thing for me is the choice and third down music because we are the only stadium that I've ever heard play abracadaver from Call of Duty Zombies during third downs. <laughs> and I think I pointed it out to you, like my freshman year, I was like, is this abracadaver? And you're like, oh, yeah, huh. Basically, I love the Call of Duty Zombies soundtrack, uh, except for Coming Home. Coming Home sucks, but what the maple do? <laughs> I don't know. I heard her meow, and I can't find her now. She disappeared. Yeah, she made one sound and then dipped. <laughs> uh, next She's question. around. Oh, uh, next question from Evan. How many years do you plan on doing the show? Um, as many years as we possibly can. And, and that's and, yeah. so vague, but honestly, we don't have a better answer. An indefinite amount of years. Uh, we're not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, at least we're not planning on it. Uh, so, yeah, long time, possibly. Next question from Evan. Who are your top players to be added to the Ring of Honor slash retired jerseys in basketball? Well, the obvious answer is Pullen. <laughs> yeah, Pullen is very obvious here uh, for basketball. Um, Michael Beasley, honestly. Yeah, Beasley. Um, is somebody that I would add. I don't know as many of the old names that maybe deserve to be in there. Yeah. Um, and if, but, you, if you don't know, what shot do I have? Yeah. Um, Another guy to consider. There's other guys to consider. I don't know all the qualifications. So I'm going to spitball, and I'm sure that someone's going to know all of, like the ways to get in, and is going to say like Connor, these are all stupid or something. But I don't really care. <laughs> Add him um, on Twitter at Connor Balthazar. <laughs> please don't. I don't care. And, <laughs> I did not ask. Yeah, um, Roddy Magruder. Uh, he was always someone that I really liked, and he was a four year guy. Really liked him. Doesn't have to be a four year guy to get in. And then I have to consider Barry Brown. I think other people will say that like, oh, he wasn't all American. He wasn't this or that or this or that, but he was really the heart of some of those teams. Uh, uh, he was the heart of the team my freshman year. Um, so it's something to consider. I wish that there was a way to get Dean Barry and Cam all up, but I think probably it's Barry, maybe Dean. Cam probably won't be going up. Uh, those are a few names, but definitely without a doubt, Poland and Beasley at the top of the list. I agree. Next question from Evan. If the Alley Cats sponsored an NIL deal, who would you choose to sponsor for the 22-23 sports season? Could it be anyone else? Could it be anyone else but Will Howard? Glad that you were going to say that because I was going to jut in, but I didn't want to like say the wrong guy. But yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, could it be anyone else but uh, Will Howard? Uh, we, are, we are certified Will Howard stands, certified Will Howard defenders on this podcast. We would absolutely sponsor Will Howard in an NIL deal. Although I, I'll have to check the pod account, but don't think that uh, <laughs> don't don't know if that's in the uh, budget. Uh, it's I say, not in I, the budget. Yeah, I say pod account like it's not my Venmo, but. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it would almost definitely be Will. If it would be anyone else, Kalen, what's up, Maple? Well, Maple, do you mind? Okay. It'd probably be Kalen if it's not Will. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would be totally fine with uh, uh, Kane Cold Pepper. I heard that if we weren't in a hypothetical world where we're not doing. Uh, like a player that's like super well known, I would love to do with like 
a sponsorship of like specialists like long snapper nelson pipes yeah well he's gone, gone. Forever. He transferred. He gone transferred forever nelson pipes so mr brandon platner come on down <laughs> you will now be the official alley cat on the football team ty zentner legatron yeah ty zentner chris tennant uh jack bloomer uh, probably i think i'm missing a couple new guys that aren't on the roster yet but <laughs> but yeah, it would probably be well. Uh, what inspires the wacky segments of the week? Is it ever hard to come up with one? The wacky segment of the week actually started out with the owl. It yeah. Actually, yeah, it started off with the owl, didn't it? Or did we have one before? Um, It either started with the owl or the KU art everywhere story. I don't remember. Um, It may have actually been before. I can go back and look at outlines while you stall. Yeah. So in terms of what inspired the wacky segment of the week, uh, speaking of stalling, it was quite literally made so we could stall for time in the like dog days of June and July when there were next to no, like there was next to nothing in terms of news coming out, but we still wanted episodes to be at least like 50 minutes to an hour. So we decided, hey, what if we start doing a segment that is only tangentially related to K-State or it's just like something in our lives or it's not related to K-State at all? It's just what if we did something, you know, just like a fun, like a little segment of the week where we just pick one topic every single week uh, that kind of fell off the wayside because we actually started getting things to talk about. (laughs) It was the owl. It was the first yeah, so I, I just felt like I needed to tell people how I got bit by an owl and everything else just fell into place after that. Yeah. But I don't know. I like the wacky segment of the week. I think it's fun. Yeah. Uh, is it ever hard to come up with one? <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Because we don't want to like have it be the same thing every week. We want it to be like unpredictable every single week. So the the two weeks in a row where it was Big 12 coaches, I think which one uh, wins in a barbecue competition and which which one would be able to put down the most drinks, I think, was the other one. Yeah. Um, or was it drink of choice? It was drink of choice. And then who, who would win in like a rural bar fight? <laughs> yeah, that was I think my, the, Mike it was the Mike Gundy segment of the week for like three weeks in a row. Yeah, it was. <laughs> or. I, for some reason, I remember the word libation. That might have been in our first Q and A. That was what the is first Q and A, and that was, yeah, was like, what, what would yeah, what would uh, every uh, uh, what is Big Twelve Big coaches, 12 coaches be libation? their libation of choice? Yeah, like uh, that's an SL Keck question, and I don't remember why I know that's an SL Keck question. That's very specific. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's always fun to do, but it's sometimes a bit of a pain to come up with what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Normally, Ace comes up with them, but we we've gone back and forth a few times. I always like trying to think of my answers. I we we honestly probably spend more time <laughs> thinking of wacky yes, segment yes. answers than anything else on the show, which probably. is probably not a good budgeting of time. But <laughs> like yeah. like I like I remember coming up with the answers for the uh, uh the mascot battle. <laughs> God, the green wave. Ford's beating a green wave. Shut up. <laughs> I was well. Am I wrong though? No, you're not. <laughs> I, I don't blame you for hating me for it, but 
I, I can at least be correct, I guess. I don't know. Uh, next question from Evan. How many games do you predict we see each of the K-State QBs in this year? Uh, I don't think Adrian Martinez gets injured this year, so I think we see him in every single game this year, and I think we make a bowl game, so at least 13. Uh, I think we end up blowing out South Dakota and KU so bad that either Will or Will or Rubley get snaps. I think this is finally the year that they're going to let Will keep his red shirt. <laughs> yeah. Finally. <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> yeah. I, so if I had to guess, I'd go uh, Adrian Martinez, 13. Will Howard, 2. Rubley, 1. Lara and Lewis, 0. Um, I'm going to say Martinez, 13. Um, I agree with you. I don't think Martinez will get hurt. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. If anything, he might miss like one game, maybe. But I'd say uh, uh, Bill the Butcher, uh, William Howard. Big Willie Howitzer. Yeah, big Willie Howitzer. I'll give him three games. I think he gets in against South Dakota. I think he gets in against Tulane. I think he gets in against KU. And maybe a fourth in there. I think Rubley will get one to two, uh, depending on how big the blowout is. And then also he may, if we blow out a ton of teams this year, we might see him more to preserve Will's redshirt because Rubley's already used his redshirt. I don't think we see Lara this year. We might see Jaron maybe if like Will or Rubley get hurt. And Jaron might play a game uh, in a game, like when it's in hand. When it's in hand, Ace, when it's in hand, don't <laughs> make that face. <laughs> um, but yeah. Visible uh, concern. Yeah. Three to four for Will, uh, one to two for Rubley, zero for Lara, probably zero for Lewis. Okay. Next question from Evan, the last one from Evan. Let's say we do get a certain high-profile QB recruit from Wichita from 23. Rank, excuse me, rank the likelihood of being a starter amongst eligible QBs. And that is Howard Rubley, Lara, and uh, Lewis, because I think Lewis still has eligibility. Somehow. He's been here forever. Yeah, so we can say who he's talking about because it's a 23 QB from Wichita. They're not talking about anyone else. It's Avery. Avery yeah. Johnson, who's the quarterback we've been chasing. Here's what I'll say about that. And this is going to be an unpopular opinion because I've been on K-State Twitter. I think that the pecking order as soon as Avery shows up is going to be Howard, Rubley, Lara, and Lewis. And I honestly think that Avery will be there on the depth chart just to get his redshirt in. But the year after that, I think Will uh, moves on. I think it becomes Rubley then Lara, then Avery. And then the year after that, I think Avery takes the jump to be the starter. Um, I think that's fair. Um, I think the first year um, that he's here, if he were to commit, it would be Will followed by uh, a Rubley, um, followed by Lara, followed by Avery Johnson, followed by uh, Jaron Lewis. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you can throw in Parker Cavanaugh as the walk-on after him, uh, which not super important, I suppose. But yeah. the year after is where things really get interesting because I do think Will is the QB 
um, 23. Cause I just, I don't think Avery will be quite ready uh, from a uh, playbook knowledge and offense knowledge perspective. Athletically, he's probably ready day one, yeah. but I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case with knowing the playbook. Now he may make us look stupid and step in and, you know, win the Heisman as a freshman or something, but would take it. I'd allow it personally, but then I'd say probably the year after Howard, I, I think you're probably right. He probably moves on. I think it's Rubley, Avery, Lara, and I think Jaron's gone by then. So whoever we get in 24. Yeah. Yeah. And the last two questions are from Ema Elvis. The first one, expand the Big 12 to 16 after OU and UT are out. Who are the next four? Um, Memphis is the obvious one. Um, outside of that, everything else is just a big crapshoot. Um, Memphis is obvious. If we're going off of who I want, I would go Memphis, Tulsa, SMU, and then, uh, oh. Um, who is, um, uh, it's a Mountain West team. Colorado State? Colorado. Boise? Boise State. I know they're a bit far out there and they had a down year this last year, but they've been perennially one of the best G5s. Yep. They're run like a power five, honestly. Uh, And they act like one. So I think they'd be a good fit. For me, I think Memphis, I agree, is obvious. I I think Memphis is almost certainly a lock for the next four to join the Big 12, assuming that there is a next four. Uh, After that, I would say the Arizonas, Arizona and Arizona State. I forgot the Arizonas. I'm not changing my answer, but yeah, Arizonas. And then either Colorado State or Boise State, uh, because Boise State's probably a better program, but Colorado State uh, is close to a metro is closer to the big 12 and uh, brings in a state that they lost when Colorado left. So I uh, Colorado state's maybe an option, but Boise state, uh, if you're looking for athletic prowess, they're going to be the pick. Uh, and they, and they do have a pretty big fan base as well. I mean, to support a program in Boise, Idaho, which is not a small town, but Idaho is a small state yeah. in terms of population. That's tough. And they deserve recognition for that. So mm-hmm. Uh, if I were really bullish, I would say put North Dakota State in the Big 12 ASAP, but I wouldn't hate that at all. But I'd want to see them make a jump to uh independent first and build up to being a power five because they, they'll need to expand facilities before they uh, really get in. Yeah. And the last question of this Ask the Alley Cat segment, this great one for one year, which football road game will be the first of the season for the Cats to wear all whites? So our choices are Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU, Baylor, and West Virginia. I'm going to go with TCU. And the reason I say that is because I think TCU is going to pull up with the Wakanda uniforms, as I call them, the the black, the dark purple, and the red. And I think that because we are K-State, we are going to say, okay, you can have your flashy uniforms. We're going to just pull up in all whites. I came up with, I think might be a funnier answer now. Okay. Uh, 
I think it's be Iowa State. Iowa State's going to announce that they're going to be wearing all blacks again. So nice. The the <laughs> the stupid horrible uniforms that Iowa State has. Like all black is fine. Like this isn't an Iowa State specific thing. This is just I really want them to use red trim or something to identify their school colors in their all black uniforms because I yeah. think they look really dumb. But they'll pull up and all black and we'll say we'll show you how to do a solid color uniform because we actually like our colors and we're gonna use them and we pull up an all whites with purple trim uh not cats helmets uh power cat helmets uh but still white lids and then we smoke them in names that would require us to wear uh the white helmets for any reason whatsoever yeah <laughs> Uh, if we're counting the white helmets, never, because we're never going to see those again. <laughs> I, I'm i so sad that we haven't seen the alternates in a while. I know that so many... This is the most annoying K-State take is that we lose because we're distracted by alternate uniforms back in 2019. Most boomer take of all time. <laughs> I require those people to never speak again. <laughs> I implore you to never have a football take again. Because before it comes out of your mouth, I'll just always remember the time you said that a football team lost because of the uniforms they were wearing and not because they were like uncomfortable or like distracting or the or other something. team was better because they're different. Like, yeah. I, I, I think some people think that the football team must just be sitting there instead of practicing, like stitching uniforms, stitching like, like they must, they must think that I think that's just a silly take. Like there's no bad luck about it. They are uniforms. Changing from silver to white never hurt anyone. Yeah, that's the Ask the Alley Cat segment for this week. Thank you all so much for submitting the questions. If you have any more, please feel free to drop by the live show on Saturday, 7 p.m., where you can ask us any questions and we'll just talk about, you know, what's your guys' favorite moments from the show. We'll talk about that ourselves, honestly. My answer still has not changed and it, I don't think it ever will change. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that on Saturday, but now we can move into the Batcats tournament recap. And because this happened a little while ago, we're not going to go as in depth as we would. We'll just kind of put a bow on the season. We'll talk about the scores and, uh, scoring plays and any notable performances. We won't go through, you know, everyone in the lineup this week. Uh, sorry to throw that on you, Connor. I probably should have told you that beforehand. Uh, no, I figured. I mean, this is already a pretty long episode, so I'm good with that. Okay. So we already talked about the Texas Tech game last week, which was the opener to the Big 12 tournament, at least for the Cats. And that led us into the elimination bracket. And our first game was up against West Virginia, a team that swept us in the regular season series. Handedly. Handedly. And we decided that we had enough of that and we were going to knock West Virginia out of the tournament with an 8-5 to victory. Blake Adams gets credited with the victory and Dylan Phillips with the save because of, of course he did. But this is a game where we ended up putting eight runs up total with home runs by Dominic Johnson and a total of three doubles hit, one by Nick Goodwin, one by Kalen Culpepper, one by Josh Nikoloff. And yeah, this was just a really solid victory for the Cats and it let us survive another day in the team that swept us in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, this was a very quality win. Uh, a handful of doubles in this game. Uh, another great 
day for or clutch day, I should say, for Kalen Culpepper. Um, made some nice defensive plays in this matchup. Uh, he was making phenomenal defensive plays for the entire Big 12 tournament. Kalen Culpepper recently has emerged as maybe a fan favorite, I'd say. Um, definitely one of our favorites, has been yeah. for a while. But I mean, starting at third base in the Big 12 is no easy feat. And he's taken it like a veteran. He might be the best player on the team. Yeah, right, he might right be. Now. And if you told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have called you insane. But oh, yeah, he's he's been excellent. And uh, Dom Johnson is pretty good yeah. uh, as well. So, yep. And then the next game, which was the game I frankly was certain we were going to lose. <laughs> yeah. I, this was the return game against Texas Tech. And this was another series that I just was painful to watch and painful to listen to. But we ended up pulling ahead and winning six to five in 11 innings. And other than the scoring play, which was a sacrifice suicide squeeze, which Wow. <laughs> I, amazing. It's incredible. The, the other story of this day in the six to five victory was Ty rule just laying down the law and refusing to cave into anything. Yeah. He was phenomenal. Herman Fajardo also had a great start as well. Uh, he went five innings, six strikeouts, a walk, two earned and two hits. Uh, he, he was doing great stuff. He was struggling with leadoff batters a little bit, but Fajardo, he was throwing some really good stuff. The commentators were really liking Herman Fajardo. Uh, Corsentino had a rough outing. Ty Rule definitely earned that W. He has, down the stretch, really figured it out. Uh, I've at times called Herman Fajardo like Eric Torres of last year. Ty Rule, same vein, really. <laughs> side, side slot uh, um, delivery. Uh, just quality reliever that it's just going to register you out. So you can just feel comfortable with him on the mound. And then, of course, Dylan Phillips, per usual, gets a save. Yeah. We had uh, extra base hits from Dom and Cole Johnson, one double each, and a home run from Nick Goodwin. And then the final game of the Batcat season was, which actually sent us to finish exactly at 500 at 29 and 29. Perfectly balanced. As all things should be. I've never seen a Marvel movie. I, <laughs> I, I feel like we just lost five listeners for me just saying that. But this was the final game of the Batcat season, and it was a loss against Oklahoma, who ended up winning the game four to three. And this wraps up our season. And we had double from Justin Mitchell, but the bats were relatively silent. You know, Griffin Hassel tried his best, but down the stretch, he was... He was an all right pitcher, but, you know, he was prone to getting beat up. He didn't get beat up as bad as he did in his first Oklahoma start, but still yeah. gave up three runs. Yeah, it took a one off of his earned runs from the first game because he 13 earned against Griffin Hassel in the uh, first time he placed OU, only three earned this time. Something about playing on the road. Something about playing on the road in an away game. Neutral games don't seem to phase this team as much. Playing on the road, I I just can't wrap my head around it. I mean, how do you go from giving up 13 earned to a team to three? Oh, well, I, I, I don't get it. But you know what? Dylan Phillips comes in. Doesn't just get, doesn't just like, he doesn't get a save because we do lose, but four strikeouts, a walk, one earned, two hits, and three innings pitched. Uh, another quality outing for Dylan Phillips as he pitched in probably his final game as a Wildcat, I'd imagine. 
didn't have a great day at the plate to draw walk. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna really miss Dylan Phillips. Um, uh, his pitching ability, he was so so clutch down the stretch. Uh, with his pitching, really helped well save a few games for us. So yeah, yeah. but to put a bow on this season, I'm sure we'll find another incident to or instance to talk about it more fully. I would be lying if I said this season wasn't disappointing to me. There were a lot of spots where we showed great things, but we still couldn't win on the road and we couldn't win the big games that we needed to. You had bright spots like Kalen Culpepper. Nick Goodwin came on at the, the back end of the season. Yeah. Uh, still still not a great fielder. Um, Dom Johnson, although he is somehow the one who gets ejected for everything, um, I don't get it. I don't get it either. He was a bright spot the entire season. Yeah. Uh, Rafael Pelletier is a revelation at catcher. I was about to say quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> He's a revelation at catcher. So there are a bunch of bright younger spots on this team, but I can't say that I am happy with a 500 record, especially with the core that we had. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. It feels like they had a much better season than they did because they won 21 games at home and we went yeah. to so many of them. And you know, there's just they're they're a dominant team at home. That's that's just the truth of it. They when they play at Toynton Family Stadium, they are quite simply a dominant team. Then they go on the road and they're a shell of themselves. I I truly I can't wrap my head around it. I mean, I'm not a college baseball player. I don't know what the deal is, but I in my mind, I can't think of a realistic reason for your records on, at home and on the road to be as drastically different. I mean, 21 and seven at home, six and 17 away. That, that's not acceptable at the division one level. How you get going on the road is difficult. You have to go play in a new environment, but you can't, no excuses for that. I mean, I get having a worse record away than you would at home. I think that makes sense, but six and 17 is awful. Uh, that's as you, you got to do better than that. Like I hate to get to that point, but it's two seasons in a row now of great, great, great home baseball and just can't figure it out on the road. One big 12 road win this year was what we ended up with. We took the Sunday game against Oklahoma and comeback fashion. Just one. That's horrible we dropped a game against KU we shouldn't have a home dropped a game against Baylor home that we shouldn't have um but on the other hand you know you uh take the series from Texas probably should have swept them did steal a game from Oklahoma State probably should have probably should have taken the series against Oklahoma State at home but then that's should have would have could have um definitely disappointing season for the Batcats um glass half full point of view a lot of people are probably coming back at least as it stands, don't know what the portal will do to this team. Don't know what the draft will do. Um, Dylan Phillips, I imagine, is getting drafted. Yeah, he's um, gone. Yeah. Uh, and then you lose a few others. I think Terrence Sperlin might be moving on. Unfortunately, really missed him this year. Mitchell's gone. And Mitchell will be gone. To the coaching uh, staff, but hmm? to the, he'll be on the coaching staff, but really? he'll be playing. Yeah. I had no idea. Good mm -hmm. for him. Um, 
Uh, beyond that, I'm struggling to think of who else is leaving off the top of my head uh, from like graduation or like draft eligibility. Is it Nikoloff? Nikoloff might come back. I think the staff wants him to try and use a COVID year, uh, which he he did struggle in the Big 12 tournament, but he was at times a bright spot for this team. Uh, I hope he sticks around. Uh, but yeah, then Pelletier, like you said, really, really great catcher. Um, and uh, Dom Johnson, really hoping he sticks around. Kalen Culpepper, probably my favorite person, personally my favorite player that K State has had in a while. Yeah, I'd say. Um, Goodwin, I hope we find a spot for him because I don't think shortstop is going to do it for him. I think Kalen should be the shortstop, probably. Just flip their positions. Yeah, I that that would probably do it. Um, I hope a lot of the pitchers stick around, like Ty Rule, like Herman Fajardo, uh, McCullough. I hope sticks around. Uh, Jackson Wentworth, I hope, sticks around. Um, even though we didn't see him, I'm excited uh, for the future with him. Uh, yeah. Blake Adams, other guy. I mean, like I could ramble on about it, but this is a team that should be returning majority of its core. Next year, there is no reason this team cannot be an NCAA tournament team. I think they should be able to make a regional next year, and if they don't, then do what you will with the, uh, uh, the head coaching position because that's where it falls back to at that point. I like Pete. I really like the talent he's brought in, but you serious questions need to be asked right now. I do think next year he does get benefit of the doubt just because it's a contract year, because then you all you have to do is just not resign him. Yeah. But the only the last note that we have on the Batcats is the pitching coach. I don't remember his name. He Buck moves Taylor. on. Buck Taylor moves on. So we'll be in the market for a new pitching coach. But yeah, that that's our little bow on the Batcats this year. Which leads us to the last part of this episode, which is the wacky segment of the week. And that is pick one K-State player that is most likely to start a YouTube channel and what it would be about. And I will actually take this. And I would honestly say Echo. I would say Echo Voido starts a YouTube channel and it's Echo's Island and it's just a Gilligan's Island, but with like Julius Brent's there as well and just like two random walk-ons who just like crash on the island it's just like it's rehashing of gilligan's island episodes but just like basically turning all of them around on their head it's just like a sketch channel that's like i like that idea i sat here and thought about this for a while for a wacky segment and i still truly have absolutely no idea what i want to say um, I'm going to say the one that I want to think of something funny. I can't think of something funny. So I'm going to say one that makes sense, mm-hmm. which I think Cade Warner would start like a YouTube coaching tips, uh, uh, channel. Yeah. That tracks. I mean, the, yeah, the other one, the other one I was thinking about is, uh, for some reason, Ty Zentner, just like starting a channel, like a, like a dude, perfect channel, but with punts. Why does that make sense? I don't know. I think it's because of the videos on campus yeah like because i think he was on one of those they don't want me to dro- no he wasn't on one of those because remember he says like we need a picture we need a video of ty zentner punting on campus and his response was You're right they don't want me putting bombs on campus <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right you're right i i made that up i guess i the sources i made it up but... <laughs> <laughs> that's an... <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that pretty much, that was a nice, short and sweet, wacky segment of the week for a somewhat longer episode. But um, 
you know what? We'll we'll get a little bit sappy here at the end of this episode. And just we said it at the beginning, but thank you all for making this first year so special. It honestly, people say it all the time. I'm not sure how many people genuinely mean it, but I genuinely mean it when I say that this show would not be the same without a lot of without the alley cats, without the community. And a special thanks to Scott Wildcat, especially for helping us grow the community and foster it. And, you know, as he says, be our podcast father, you know, special thanks to Lucas, who's always been a a willing friend and someone who's helped us out with the show a bit more than he thinks. Special thanks to Nathan for being just generally a good friend and friend of the show. And just a really big thank you to everyone who has made us a part of their week every single week that we've put out an episode and multiple times a week during football season. It is a lot easier to do the work and people will tell you don't do work for recognition. Uh, Those people are lying to you. Uh, (laughs) It is a lot easier to do the work whenever you know that there are people who are willing to listen to what you have to say. And I truly can't thank you all enough for making just two random guys, two friends talking about K-State sports, turning it into something that people recognize and people are willing to talk about themselves. Yeah. Uh, Thank you to uh, all the people that you listed, uh, Scott, Lucas, Nathan, uh, Shake and Blake show. Uh, John and Blake. Yeah, John Blake. Uh, uh, Anybody that's ever come on a show. Um, anyone that has ever sent us a Q&A question, anyone that's ever liked a tweet, anyone that's ever uh, uh, just followed us on Twitter or anybody that's listened to just one single show, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it makes it all the more worth it because we already love doing this, but it makes it even more fun when we know that people care about our terrible takes. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoy doing this and it's it's just been one year almost by the time this comes out 363 days um but i'm looking forward to many many more uh with all of the alley cats and thank you everybody for for listening and sticking with us yeah and if you want to hear us get even sappier please be sure to tune in to the live show saturday at 7 p.m uh, I think I'll be the one hosting it, and it's at Aceman Austin zero P. Don't ask why it's P. It should be another zero. I fat fingered it while I was making my Spotify account. Please leave me alone. <laughs> uh, that's the true story. But thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We really appreciate it. If you want to contact the show, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are aggievoalleycats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at acedward00. I am at connorboutstore, capital C and capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you have such designs as Neon Alley Cats, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Doomtang Clan. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, and happy one year, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.